What are you doing out in the snow? It's 32 degrees below zero Celsius. And my dad is working hard, looking beyond the extents of hypothermia, hypochondria, and all the elements combined, he works to build a fence. A true servant, a true worker, a true exhibit of hard work and ethics. This is my father, in whom I am well pleased. Hey, it's me again. Does your job still suck? Are you still mad at your job and therefore life sucking, then you should join the Bitcoin podcast Slack where the people there don't suck, or at least their jobs don't. So, in essence, their lives don't either. Join the Slack. So we're going to plug our shit. Oh, speaking of plugging my shit, I just wanted to let you guys know that I experienced a double pipe classic this morning. A double pipe classic? Yeah. What is that? It's something where you're only lucky enough to experience it probably every six six to eight years, and I experienced it this morning. It's where you burp and fart at the same time. <laughs> and I I got to experience it this morning, and I just want to shout it out. What the heck? Shout out to my body. Shout out to the Double Pipe Classic. What the hell? Where did you even get that from? Yeah, where did you come up with that? I never heard of that before. That's not I a mean, it only happens like every every five years or something. It's the, it's a rare occurrence in in the human male body. I've never had a double. So pipe when it happens, you have to celebrate it. Isn't that dangerous though? Because that much gas going out, you could maybe poop yourself a little bit. Here's how you do it: you take <laughs> you take a burrito and you wash it down with coke, and then you just hope and pray for a double pipe classic. This is going at the top of the show. All right, it happened. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment and the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. 
everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 46. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And host number three, Corey. You sounded creepy when you said that, D. I did a little bit. <laughs> number two, D. I'm host number, number two, D. Number two, D. <laughs> <laughs> and like always, our great friends at Escrow My Bits, you can escrow your shit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how you can do that. It just takes three steps to escrow your shit. You're going to register. Then you deposit some of those uh, good old Bitcoins. Seller's going to ship the item. You're going to check the goods, and then you will release your funds. They also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. I'm talking euros. I'm talking yen. USD. They got you covered. We want there to be no excuse as to why you're not using escrow. So... You need to start the escrow process by going to the website, sign up for their newsletter, and stay up to date. And uh, the great part about them is they're only going to charge you a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. That website is escrowmybits.com. They're great. Check them out. Uh, South by Southwest is this week, which is uh, going on in Austin. So if it's okay with you guys, I can kind of run down the schedule for people that might be interested. It's fine um, by me. All right. Let's, uh, there's only a couple. Uh, but today, Sunday, uh, you can join Katarina Rindy, who is a consultant. And uh, a little bit about her. She's been involved in the, uh, the blockchain ecosystem since around 2013, educating and introducing non-technical audiences to the Bitcoin currency and underlying Bitcoin protocol. It's from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. So it's probably going to be over in a couple hours. So if you want to get on over there, it's the... Austin Convention Center, room 5ABC. Uh, we here, we deem it pretty essential because uh, Bitcoin and blockchain technology is coming, and many people who are curious about it are overwhelmed and intimidated by its technical nature. So she's going to explain it clearly, make it accessible to everybody. They're going to take time to answer your questions and get you thinking about how to use Bitcoin yourself and clarify how blockchain tech is going to start showing up in your lives via banking, legal issues, and your Internet of Things, etc. And by the end of that workshop... Uh, they can have you signed up with your own Bitcoin wallet and send you your first Satoshi or micro tip. Um, mm. Secondly, uh, on Monday from 5 p.m. to 6 at the Hilton in downtown Austin, Saloon B, which is 500 East 4th Street, join Lisa D. Ellis, who's the senior research analyst at Bernstein covering U.S. computer services and IT consulting. And she's going to look forward to seeing the technology and its applications evolve. And hopefully everyone at this meetup identifies a few good investment thesis while they're at it. And no need to panic, however, because we're still in the early days. Bitcoin currently processes seven, seven transactions per second, while Visa and MasterCard handle about 10,000. So they're going to talk about that. On Tuesday, March 15th, from 11 a.m. to noon at the JW Marriott, room 213, uh, join Michael Turpin, who is the co-founder of BitAngels, and he's going to talk about Bitcoin versus the blockchain, startup opportunities, investing in digital assets, uh, crowd sales, user and merchant adoption, Bitcoin debit cards like Dimitrik uses, and much more. And then that very same day, uh, from 5 to 6 in the same location, uh, Chris Mountford is going to lead the talk Bitcoin and blockchains, the next app platform uh, crypto era stacks uh, monetize natively. They scale without provisioning, uphold privacy, stop data corruption. Uh, and he's going to give you examples from Ethereum, BitShares, MadeSafe, and Counterparty. 
And to RSVP for any of those events, you must sign in and have your South by badge linked to your account. So that's the whole thing. Nice. Right. You said the the Wickleby gave me there too, right? They're there today, or uh, I kind of blew. It. I was trying to make it seem like we're doing this like live, but by the time this airs, <laughs> blew it. <laughs> they're done. Yeah. Um, what do you so, mean it's not live? It's totally live. Yeah. <laughs> live. Uh, live, live, coming from the studio. I'm kidding. We don't have but if you're hearing this podcast, there's still plenty of stuff uh, yeah. throughout the week if you're in Austin. So. Yes. You could always tweet the Winkleby and get them on our show. We got some asking to do to them. Uh, yeah, I think we got about like lots of stuff. Like 400 more asks before they decide they're going to come on the show. So. Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing I'm going to do is yep. ask if they liked the character portrayals in the movie The Social Network, and then they'll probably just hang up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like so we uh, took- hanging out with Jesse Eisenberg? We didn't <laughs> Anyways, what's up, man? What you got? What you got for it me? was a light week last week, so we're finally we're all back. Like, yeah, man. You guys like left me high friends. and dry. No I'm kidding. Everybody's busy. I solo doloed. That was yeah, a first. Could... That was a first single single person podcast we've done so far. Yeah, it's great. I felt really intimate with our listeners. Like it was just me and them. Candles. Took to turn the lights down a little bit. Got some Cavassier. Mm-hmm. What Lionel Richie playing in the background? Smooth jazz it into their hearts. Oh, Kenny G all day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, we might we might get some requests where like they just want D only podcasts. Some smooth, smooth tonal voices coming to you, silky airwaves, Bitcoin. Oh yeah, you guys like that. Um, anyway, so yeah, if you want to get tucked in at night by Dimitri's voice, you can uh, tweet us <laughs> and request that. Yeah, you got to send a tip to us on Twitter. Say this is for one tuck in. <laughs> and then I'll Skype you and I'll tuck you in with a smooth Bitcoin voice. Yeah. Like a silence of the lambs tuck in or like a. <laughs> <laughs> would you fuck me? <laughs> I would fuck me. Anyways, we're getting way off task. A task that we hadn't even begun to talk about yet because we haven't had a talking point. Let's get some. How about this? Let's let's start off with something really quick. Um, For anyone with a 21 device wanting to run Bitcoin Classic, uh, a hacker has got it working. Mm. I saw that. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin Classic is still a thing. It's still hanging in there. Um, It doesn't look like it's going to fork, but it's hanging in there. I don't know. It's pretty close. It's getting there. If, if If you have one large pool, switch over. At this point, it would probably go through one large, one of the large, large pools. But they're not. Uh, it only takes up until the last second for them to make that decision. That's true. That's true. And what's cool is you, um, you. I'm starting to see a little bit of the confidence in Bitcoin again show its face. For two weeks there, it felt like it was, you know, just like storm, just cloudy skies. Everybody's like. The fork this, debate that, block size this, losing confidence. I'm selling all my Bitcoin. Whoever makes those bitchy ass posts, excuse me, like go somewhere with that. It doesn't really matter. I mean, 
I'm selling all of my Bitcoin. I'm through with this. Go away. Just leave. But um, now I'm starting to see a lot more chatter, a lot more chatter about what Bitcoin is doing, which is good. So, good Are job we still scared me. about Bitcoin like we were two weeks ago? I don't think so. I wouldn't say I was scared. I, I think I actually did say I am scared. Who's this we we're talking about? You, bro. You're a part of this. I'm not a part of that. I wasn't ever scared. Look, we're a three-man Ninja Turtles team. Y'all right. can be scared over there. I'm what would it take to get Corey's faith wavered a little bit? Yeah, what would it take? What would it take? Would it take Satoshi Nakamoto coming out and saying, Hey guys, I'm actually the NSA. <laughs> and we've been fucking with you guys this whole time, but thanks for giving us all the data we need to start a one world currency. I don't know. What, what, would that be it? No. Okay, what if... <laughs> I really have Just, nothing else. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess the only thing. Let's stick to logical stuff. And what would, okay. What stuff. would what would shake my faith is if someone Difficulty came up drop. came up with an idea that essentially took over a certain aspect of the Bitcoin network that allowed them to control it for their own personal devices, and then no one came up with a quick idea, and so everyone sold and left. And then I'd be like, all right, well, it's that, that, that the experiment has failed and we'll move on to a different currency. But my general faith in cryptocurrency wouldn't be wavered at all. It's just that it's it's kind of late for something like that to happen. If it would have happened, it would have happened already. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a matter of the public or the uh, like what we do with it and how we and how we develop it, develop it from here. Because most people who get into Bitcoin, especially right now, there's kind of two types of people. I hate to make a like a dichotomy like this or a false mm-hmm. dichotomy, but it's people who are getting in to try and make money. They're trying to you know buy while it's early, and then hopefully Bitcoin goes to the moon and they make a ton of profit. Or they're actually getting in to provide a service that wasn't allowed before, it wasn't capable of being done before, and using that service to make a profit. And it's two really different types of people. And the, the, and, the, and the former are quick to, be, to get scared, yell real loud, and get out and say that Bitcoin's a failure if things aren't going the way they think they should in a time frame they think they should happen. Mm-hmm. And so imagine if all I could say, it's the, for instance, we'll make a <laughs> freaking dogs. If, if we just assume that's 50-50, which it's not, if 50% of the people get upset and they don't like what's going on and they sell their Bitcoin and leave because they think Bitcoin's failed, you're left with all of the people who actually care about the, the protocol, what it's doing and what it's allowing for. Mm-hmm. And that you're, you're probably better off. It's just, I mean, the people who are creating things need money behind them. So they need to get VCs and other people to believe in them, which is why people get into the first place mm-hmm. in terms of investments. But I don't, I don't know. It's like, so what if someone sells their money or a it's whale that, sells their money? Yeah. It's that latter group of people you talked about are the ones that really have perpetuated Bitcoin to the point where it is right now. It perpetuated Bitcoin onto the mainstream scene. Those people that were like, hey, this technology and this money is the shit. I'm really passionate about it. I'm working on stuff inside of it. And here it is. And I think those are the people that are always going to keep Bitcoin going. The people Well, that- you still got to realize that Bitcoin is still very small. Yeah. And I mean, say yeah, a billion dollars of VC 
money has been put into Bitcoin to develop applications and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't compare to the trillions of dollars of central banks and what they're capable of doing. And we're starting to see their attempts at blockchain technology in quotes coming online and what they're what they're trying to do. And over the next few months, maybe within this year, we're going to see applications that they're trying to make. IBM's put a lot of money into it and and how I'm curious to see how those things interact with an environment of cryptocurrencies because it's in the future it's not just going to be bitcoin mm-hmm. that's if you think that that's the case and you're arguing for that to be the case then you're arguing for a future that's never going to happen there will be i think multiple different cryptocurrencies for different use cases i mean and that's bitcoin obvious will be a healthy one of them you, yeah it's obvious to you but it's not obvious to a lot of people so when they hear about other cryptocurrencies ethereum litecoin dogecoin you know private blockchains things like this they think it's a direct competitive nature with bitcoin and it's not yeah and i just think it would be cool if bitcoin became and it already has to people that are in the ecosystem the reserve like i've been trading in and out of bitcoin for the past few weeks now and it, it works beautifully it it works fine. Yeah. And so that's what I would like to see. I would like to see Bitcoin become sort of like the backbone of all this. And those other financial industries that are trying to build their own blockchains, good luck. You know, they're going to build one. But if it's not interoperable, interoperable, is that a word that I'm trying to say? We don't understand what you mean. Okay. It's a word. I don't think you're pronouncing it right. <laughs> If it's not insert big word that works with Bitcoin, then I don't think it's going to work for them. It's not because, I like I said, I don't think China is going to work with a digital currency network or blockchain that's, you know, run by a bunch of Westerners. I don't think they're going to want to do that. And the chase, likewise. The chase Bitcoin? Yeah, they're going to need a trustless blockchain that's public to work together with. And I think that is going to be Bitcoin. That's my Nostradamus hat going on. I hope that's the case. Yeah, that would be cool for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, back, we back the correct horse. And the rest that's of you good. listeners out there, we could all go to the tracks and buy the horses. Don't even watch them run, just buy them. Marcello, what do you think? Um, I agree with D. <laughs> I'm all about the blockchain. It's it's simplicity personified, and the simplicity is is what is going to drive the technology. And uh, yeah, I can get behind it. It's it is simplicity, and that's the thing is it's it's just also scary. Like when I explain Bitcoin to people that have never heard of it, they they can't wrap their minds around how simple it is. Well, I think because it simplifies the complicated, you know, the simplicity of like a complicated worldwide ledger in its simplest form. It's, you know, it's safe, but it's clean, but it's simple. You know what I mean? You get a ledger. I get a ledger. Everybody has the exact same ledger. And the fact that everyone does have the exact same ledger gives the token that pushes that mofo around value. Point blank period. I win. Yeah, I I believe that the answers we're looking for, when some set of machines were smarter than that, might be the day, like Ooh. the extinction of mankind can be That's solved by blockchain. You know what I mean? <laughs> all to all the listeners out there, if you've never seen the very first three short stories of the Animatrix, go watch it tonight, 
and then get scared. Boom. Because they talk about yeah. shit like that. Remember, like, the the robots just kind of peace out from humans because humans are treating them bad, but then the robots use this own currency and they have an economy that's working like 30,000 times billion faster than the human economy. Isn't so that funny that 10 years ago that was science fiction and now it's like it, real? It could be real. Like, that's scary if Uber gets taken over by a fleet of robotic cars. Like, that mm-hmm. would just be freaking scary as hell. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great until they found the perfect biomechanical weapon against us to just eradicate us. That presupposes I mean, how cool conscience. is it to be... Huh? We can be among the ones who build the future while others are still skeptical. I think that's a really cool position to be in. Are we all Noah's? No, we're just the dudes telling everybody about Noah. <laughs> hey, there's this guy over there building a big-ass ship. You guys might want to get on it. <laughs> I think you might want to get on that ship, man. Yeah, he's probably building it for a reason. <laughs> anyway, can you th- can you think of any, like if can you think of anyone in your friends like if you went up to them and said, "Hey, how would you like to be part of a futuristic experiment?" How many of them would say no? Shit, if this were five to six years ago, probably none of them. But now we're a little bit older and. People think about other things. They probably say, "No, fuck no, I'm not experimenting on my future." I've tried that. It didn't work very well for me so far. <laughs> oh, you've actually asked those exact same <laughs> that verbatim. Not really. I, it, it alluded to that. I might actually try those those words verbatim and see how that works out. But now that everyone knows me as the Bitcoin guy amongst their friends, it's kind of hard to. Yeah. You try to sell us that Bitcoin stuff again. I don't know about that. Yeah, I get that a lot too. What is here's this guy with this crazy Bitcoin. But the problem with this is is that I, I, I have these conversations with people and they keep asking me questions and I keep answering them and they're like, Really? Well, I don't know. What about this? Really? I don't know. And they get like they're kind of sold on it and they're like, That's really cool. And they're like, You want some? Or you should probably get some. They're like, No, I'm good. That's that, basically that, what it is. That next step That's how... of getting people to kind of get a little more interested. Because, I mean, right now, it is just an investment for Americans, for that matter. Yeah, for Westerners, yeah. It's an investment. It's something to play around with. It's something to keep your eye on. Uh, but it's it's not really going to do anything other than, you know, save you some money on Starbucks or Amazon. If you go through That's not stuff. doing anything. That's a lot. Don't get me wrong. That's a lot. <laughs> but people are so lazy. They don't even want to take those three extra ships for 30% off Amazon. That's true. People don't even want to escrow their shit. So, no I'm kidding. Nice plug, <laughs> double plug. Um, Cello, you were gonna say something actually. No. Are you sure? I'm just a quiet, quiet observer, oh, listening to the words of my co-hosts. Yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be an amazing future. We talk about that all the time on the show because it's so exciting to feel like you're living in. The future and the now, nobody else is listening to you, and you're like, oh, all this cool shit's coming around the corner, and they're like, yeah, whatever, but did you see that halftime performance, though, from Beyonce, and you're like, oh, fucking hell, why don't I even talk to you? But Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw it. She danced, right? Yeah. How'd you know? I don't know, because she's fucking Beyonce. Like, can we talk about <laughs> something that- <laughs> 
You talking about something that matters? Um. Well, anyways, we have. have you, What's up, Chell? You guys heard the new Rihanna song? It's probably the worst song I've ever heard in my bah, life. Bah, bah, bah. Yes, I have. She does. She's not even saying words. She's just making noises with her throat. Yeah. That's the best we can do nowadays. I'm like, what the fuck is this? The first yeah. time I heard it, I thought the radio was broken. Yeah. <laughs> but it was working just fine. Shout out to Rihanna though. Yeah. Um All right, let's go from let's go from Rihanna to um one of the most uh esteemed professors yeah, uh, at Cornell University. It seems like a good transition. Mr. Goon. Mr. Oh wait, I was supposed to give him that's his firewall. Anyways, Mr. Goon Serer. Um, Doctor. Doctor Goon. Doctor Goon. Doctor. Doctor Goon. Um so yeah, he is co authored papers, man. Yes, he is publishing shit and working on Bitcoin, like specifically Bitcoin. He has a blog. Uh damn, what's the name is isn't it called like Hacking Distributed? Hacking Distributed. Hackingdistributed.com yes. is his blog where he does a shit ton of writing. And I'm talking like very intelligent shit. Like you can read his stuff and you're going to be full and satisfied with how learnt you just got. Yeah. I've definitely like, really enjoyed his, his blogs. I went through them all since I, you told me about them. And it's good um, stuff. What's up, Joe? He, do you know that he served as an expert witness in the U.S. lawsuit on behalf of people who lost money at Mount Gox. Really, I didn't know. See, this guy's like a super, the superhero that we deserve. <laughs> he, I'm serious. To you guys, listen. Go ahead and Google him. Uh, Goon Serer. That's G-U-N-S-I-R-E-R. He has proposed a version of Bitcoin called a uh, Bit Bitcoin NG, Bitcoin Next Generation. Where it can scale and it can do all the things Bitcoin is asking it to do. And he even proves it. Like he's got a white paper for it. Like this guy, um, I remember I was reading on Reddit, uh, BTC, I think, r slash BTC. And uh, I saw it was an article that said, hey, this guy says that he can make Bitcoin unstealable. And I was like, that's some bullshit. And so I, then, I read the, <laughs> then I read the article. <laughs> And it actually is pretty cool. He, he, he's invented this thing called the vault, um, not to be confused with the Coinbase vault, where it um, puts Bitcoin in a, in a special, it, it sends Bitcoin out with a special digital signature to where everyone on the blockchain can see that it's a vault transaction. But it also sends it out with the ability of being able to be called back to the vault. So if somebody hacks your vault and you see Bitcoin flying out of it, you can then call it back to the vault and then send it to another address. And I know you have lots of questions from what I just said, so we've got this amazing interview for you. And he... Yeah, this, uh, this, this dude isn't, isn't just a random guy in the, you know, in the forums. He's an associate professional at Cornell in computer yeah. science. He's not... like he, he's, You don't get there unless you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. This guy knows his shit. Oh, and while you guys are listening, stop shitting on this guy on Reddit. He actually knows what the fuck he's talking about. So, anyways, you'll know what we're talking. Why I just said that in this interview. Here it is. Good deal. So, real quick, could you tell our listeners a little bit of your background and when your background crossed paths with Bitcoin? 
Uh, sure. Let's see. So I'm currently a professor at Cornell. I've been here for 14 or 15 years. I've lost count. Um, and uh, let's see. I have a PhD in computer science. Uh, prior to Cornell, I did my uh, graduate studies at the University of Washington. I did my undergraduate at Princeton. And um, let's see. Um, I build systems. So I like to build large systems that work. Uh, for a while, in the early 2000s, I was very excited about peer-to-peer -peer systems. I still am. And um, back then in 2001, when people were just coming up with peer-to-peer -peer systems, it was really hard to incentivize peers to do the right thing. And so I came up with um, a notion of sort of digital tokens that keep track of how good you've been, for example, by seeding a torrent. And... Uh, so uh, we called that currency system. It was a currency system. Uh, it had decentralized minting. It had um, crypto, all of the crypto functionalities, signed transactions, and so forth. Um, and we called that system Karma. That was my first foray into this space, I think. And uh, it's academically very well known, very, very extensively cited paper. Um, and then I stopped working on uh, on uh, on this, uh, you know, in this area. And um, uh, then uh, I guess in 2010-ish or so, I heard about Bitcoin. I was supremely excited that uh, somebody ended up, Satoshi in particular, ended up solving all the problems that, uh, that still remained in this area. And, um, and then the rest is history. Then I started looking more critically into Bitcoin and how it works. And I've done a bunch of work in that space. Nice. Yeah, I noticed you did. I, I read a few of your. I read your your paper on your previous BIP. I think it was in 2013, 14, uh, regarding the the um, not greedy mining, but selfish, selfish mining, yeah, selfish mining. I read that and I I found it quite fascinating. How granted, it's an academic paper, so I really appreciated that and the simplicity in which the 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 uh, conclusion was or the, the solution to the problem was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, I think. It was really, it gave us a big rush. So, you know, so from a theoretical perspective, um, here's what happened. And I think it's this, this context is important. Um, so we kind of knew how to build quorum systems. Like by quorum systems, we mean systems where you have a consortium of banks and they keep track of your funds and you trust them to keep track of your funds. We knew this, like we've known this since the 1980s and so forth. And then... Then, uh, but what we didn't know was, what if you didn't trust the ensemble of banks? What do you do then, right? And that's the big problem that Satoshi solved. And, uh, and we actually understood the, the quorum system problem really, really well. In fact, a colleague of mine, Leslie Lamport, who actually has a Turing Award, the Nobel equivalent in computer science, mm -hmm. he actually characterized these systems incredibly well. Um, and uh, he found uh, that, uh, that a, an ensemble, a quorum of, of, uh, of uh, entities... Um, can be made secure as long as less than one-third of the participants are acting in irrational, strange, malicious ways. We call these actors Byzantine actors. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so we knew that, and uh, that was cool. And then along comes Satoshi, and he says, look, you know, this is all cool and all, but I have a, something even cooler. Like, you don't have to know the participants. And uh, we have this proof-of-mining thing, proof-of-work thing, uh, this mining uh, uh, thing that happens in the background, and it allows us to open it up. So you now can have trustless, uh, a trustless record of something as high value as your finance. So this is fascinating. 
And a lot of people thought, okay, this is great. Um, and uh, there was some kind of a folk theorem. Everybody thought that as long as the majority of the nodes were okay, that they were following the protocol as Satoshi prescribed it, that, uh, that the, the accounting would work out okay. So, uh, so that paper, in that paper, we show that, that that claim was wrong, that everybody was repeating this, um, and, uh, but it hadn't been proven. And in fact, it was incorrect that that's not true. And uh, we found that if you want to achieve consensus in an open system, uh, you can tolerate at most a third of your nodes acting in a Byzantine fashion. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, it's kind of odd. It's just, it's entirely circumstantial that the two limits are identical for both old school consensus and Nakamoto style consensus. Um, but uh, uh, but it's, uh, it's fascinating that, that they are the same and it was really nice to find this result. And, and this actually is a, is a pretty good result. We now understand the limits of Nakamoto consensus much better. If you don't understand it, then you're actually open to attacks. And so this gives us guidance on how to make, uh, how big to allow mining pools to get. And uh, not only did we do that, we also found uh, a way to make sure that people cannot misbehave as long as, uh, you know, as long as you keep them below a certain threshold, as long as a single entity does not own more than a particular threshold of, uh, of, uh, uh, of hash power, then we know how to stem this sort of malicious, selfish mining that they can do. And so we also contribute a fix for it. Uh, but you guys know the Bitcoin community, right? It's uh, it's an interesting community. Yeah, we it's got, it's we a got, community. It's an online community. So it, <laughs> it, it's it's interesting. We got roasted for uh, for discovering the problem and fixing it. And it's uh, <laughs> you, know, you can you can attack me all day long, but the fact is there is a problem with the protocol, right? It's Satoshi isn't quite God. He's yeah. Guy, very smart fellow, but uh, uh, but there was a problem with the protocol, and 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 you know when somebody fixes it, uh, it's it's this is the way science works. You can't ignore it. It it really got fixed. There was a problem. So uh, so anyhow, so that was the selfish mining work. I got a lot of abuse from all sorts of people. I came to love the community despite this, and uh, and here we are. Um, you know, I still work on Bitcoin and uh, still interact with the community and try to build a, a better better uh, you know better cryptocurrency. Uh, world for everyone. Well, thank you. For that, that is actually why we, we found. Uh, I guess our, our interest was sparked from a, uh, a Reddit post you made last week, where you uh, invented the Bitcoin Vault and making Bitcoin theft-proof. And this is something that I think adds a lot of utility and solves a lot of problem and eases a lot of the issues that laymen may have with Bitcoin. Could you walk us? Could you walk us through how that works and how that came about? Sure, I can try. So that is work that was carried out by Maltem Moser, uh, who is a very, very young, um, uh, brilliant researcher uh, from Germany. He came and visited us uh, and worked in my lab for about two months. And uh, the crux of the idea came from uh, uh, Itai Eyal, Dr. Itai Eyal, who's a postdoc who works with me. And uh, uh, so the, uh, the, the, all the kudos and credit should really go to them. Uh, but uh, roughly speaking, here is the core idea. This all was, st- was started by us observing these what are called sorry for your loss events. Uh, where <laughs> somebody goes... So appropriate. Yeah, you know, you know these. You've seen them, right? Yeah. And uh, we know so many people who've been through this, right? So people who, who have lost their keys because they, they were too afraid to make copies of their keys, right? They, they were keeping everything on a, on a thumb drive. Then they erased it. Well, now the, the coins are gone. That's pretty bad. Um, 
even worse. Um, I have a colleague, uh, another PhD student, who was, I think, miner number five in Bitcoin. Mm. And uh, as a PhD student, he ended up mining about 10,000 coins, which is a heck of a lot. And if you, I think, what is it, $4 million? Yeah. And uh, it's a good amount of money to come into when you're in grad school. And um, and one day um, he discovered that some hacker from, uh, you know, it, it seemed his IP address was uh, somewhere in Ukraine, came in and uh, took all this, all of his, you know, just broke into his machine, his home machine, uh, using a very complicated uh, uh, set of tricks and, uh, and just came and took all of his cash. Wow. So it's, it's quite a blow. And this is like a common occurrence. So, um, so what we came up with is something called a Bitcoin vault. A Bitcoin vault is, um, is, a, is a way of keeping your, your coins secure uh, while they're at rest. And uh, the core idea is fairly simple to explain. The operation is also kind of, uh, it's okay to explain as well. But the core <laughs> idea is, so if I have, uh, so when I have some coins right now, um, I keep, the, I keep the, the private keys, let's say, in my phone. And at the moment, if somebody breaks into my phone, they will end up owning all of my, uh, not all, but whatever I keep on my phone, they're going to end up owning. So um, I would like to stem this. I'd like to somehow thwart this attacker. So what the Bitcoin vault idea allows me to do is it allows me to create a special kind of an account on my phone for my own cash only. So I take whatever I have in my hot wallet. I take the component that I'm not going to need in the short, short term. So, uh, so whatever that is, I send it to my vault account. And once it's in the vault, then it's, it's special. How is it special? Uh, well, it's protected by, so we, it's protected by two keys in essence. It's protected by a, a particular vault key that I can use to take the money back out. As long as I have the vault key, I can unvault the money, put it into my hot wallet and spend it. Hmm. So, this vault key is a useful thing to have, but recall that, you know, I'm trying to protect it from attackers. So if an attacker gets a hold of my vault key and he tries to spend my money and I notice this, right? It's going to be obvious on the blockchain. Then I can use a second key known as the recovery key to say, no, 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 no. Stop that transaction. That is not a legitimate, legitimate transaction uh, authenticated or authorized by me. Uh, it's something that you should stop. And, uh, and, and undo, disallow. So this second key is, a, is, think of it as a superior key, right? So there are two keys here. One of them is the regular one that I use as always. The second one is the superior one with which I can withdraw the money back into my, uh, my, my possession. And, uh, and at this point, of course, you might ask, well, what happens if you lose the second key? Um, if that happens, then the, the vault has a final uh, security mechanism which is it allows you to burn the entire stash. So if you notice that this hacker was so good, he broke into your phone, he got your vault key, he was very disciplined, he did not try to steal the money from the vault, but instead waited, you know, uh, in just you know, lied in wait and uh, somehow got the recovery key as well. Well, if that happens, then you can use the recovery key yourself and just send the money into the miners as mining fees. And by burning the money, you ensure that at least that guy cannot benefit from having broken into your system. 
Mm. So not only is it, it's not even like a, like an old school burn where you send it to nothing. It's you're, you're, it's being used. It's being recirculated back into the system to the people who kind of deserve it. Right. Exactly. At the end all cost. Hmm. Right, exactly. That was one of the design criteria that that we not lose coins. Coins are valuable. You don't. You shouldn't just send them to the bit, Bitcoin eater or whatever. Yeah. So indeed, uh, they go back to miners, and um, and and that's as it should be. Right. We want the coins in circulation. Otherwise, we'll run out. So I think on Reddit, one of the immediate rebuttals was that what's going to prevent people from just sending out coins to a merchant using their vault and then calling them right back after they get their service for yeah that's so exactly so that when people hear this they have that knee-jerk reaction uh Mm -hmm. and completely misplaced totally wrong so the way the vaults work is when you have a vault transaction it's not like other transactions everybody can see that it's a vault transaction it's completely different and no merchant will will take a vault transaction so mm-hmm. the only way you can send that money is to send it to someone who is going to take your vault transaction. Well, who is that someone? Well, it's you, right? Yeah. Nobody else is going to take your vault transaction because you can revert it. So, uh, so indeed, the only thing you can do with a vault is take the money out back into your possession. So the typical usage for this is, as I tried to sort of allude to earlier, um, is you have your hot wallet and then you have your vault. And you put the money into the vault from your hot wallet, and that's instantaneous or whatever, six confirmations or whatever. And uh, then you take it out of there, um, and that is a lengthy process. It might take, uh, let's say, 24 hours or so to, to perform the unvaulting. And, uh, and then you spend it from the hot wallet using regular Bitcoin transactions, which remain irreversible, which remain fungible. So the vaults do not affect any of the properties of Bitcoin at all except they give you this extra feature that only you can use for uh, on your own cash. It's not for tricking other people. It, the other people will see through whatever you're trying to do pretty readily and, and not accept anything, any, any shenanigans. So a couple of follow-ups to this. This is a proposal to be written into the Bitcoin protocol as well, correctly? Correct? Yeah. So to actually make this, uh, uh, to deploy this, uh, we need to make one tiny change to the Bitcoin protocol, which is add a new opcode. And that opcode is generally useful for all sorts of things other than volts, but especially volts. Okay. Then on top of that, have you just obviated the need to use other forms of cold storage or uh, offline devices like or hardware devices like Trezors and such? Or are they no. still useful, but you've just no. made them more more useful almost? I think it's the latter. So we are completely orthogonal. I would still, uh, I, I use a Trezor. Uh, I would still use one. Um, those are incredibly good at keeping things secret, um, except uh, what what they, so the problem with using a Trezor, which it's a wonderful device, is uh, it typically there's a key inside, right? And you want to keep that key secret. So if you just use a Trezor, you're doing something a little dangerous. Because <laughs> Right, you you only have a single copy of your private yes. key, and something happens to that thing, the lanyard lanyard breaks, and so forth. You you might well uh, lose your uh, your keys. And when you replicate your keys, what what happens then? If you make paper copies and bury them in Tutankhamun's uh, you know tomb or whatever, that's fine. Um, but if you want to have access to your online money, you'll want to keep your private keys online someplace. And how do you do that? 
Uh, it's complicated. So essentially, what's what's really going on here, deep down, is a is a fundamental conflict between wanting to replicate data and keys to protect against loss, and uh, and uh, of course, as you replicate them, the fundamental insecurity that brings because you're opening up a broader attack surface because there are yes. more replicas. So uh, with the replicas, it makes perfect sense to use uh, use vaults. Mm-hmm. I see. Well. I really hope this gets implemented. We're going to do our best job to get the word out because this seems pretty awesome, especially if it can deter theft, because that's a big one that I worry about. But uh, on to different things. I read one of your recent tweets, and it suggests that we as a community, we're too honed in on this block size debate. Uh, Do you feel that we're losing sight of some bigger goals for Bitcoin while we're so consumed with this debate? I'm beginning to think that. So I don't want to minimize the importance of the block size debate. It's, it is important. And, uh, how it should go, whether it should be small blocks, big blocks, how big, da, da, da. And, you know, what's the exact strategy? What's the roadmap? It, it's complicated. And both sides have legitimate points, right? So that's all true. And, um, and some amount of internal wrangling is completely fine and expected and actually healthy. So, so that's okay. But, as of this moment, you know, we are way into March of 2016. I was expecting this to resolve maybe three months ago. And, uh, and I'm beginning to, to worry a little bit that we are not tackling the really, really big problems up ahead. And, um, and, and in fact, not only that, but, but the whole discussion has colored the sort of the entire landscape that when you talk to people, they are trying to understand whether you're a small blockian or big blockian. And uh, yeah. <laughs> not either, right? So if I come by, I I just want I, I'm a I want to be a unificationist or whatever. Like I want unity. I want consensus on this issue. I don't really care about big or small blocks. It's totally fine either way. Bitcoin will be okay, but but we need the consensus on some issue, um, and uh, on some some path forward. And so so that is important to me. Uh, but they get confused and they want to pigeonhole you into one of these things. And, and there's the amount of division is, is, is incredibly high. Um, and if you, if you say something that, that the wrong group interprets in the wrong way, then you get attacked uh, left and right. You know, so I've been compared to, uh, so I said something, I forgot what I said. I, I, hang on. Let me, I That's how trivial it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up saying something. I think, I think somebody thought I was a, I was a strong big block proponent or something. And um, and then they likened me to uh, the scientists working with Hitler. Uh, Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's deep. It's it's a bit strong, don't you think? Yeah. Like, I left I left the house this morning trying to make the world a better place, more or less, you know. And uh, and by the end of the day, someone someone's calling me like you know a Nazi, whatever. Sympathize. It's a bit extreme. So we wow. have to we have to we have to get through this. This is it's not healthy. I think um, if by June we're still you know, by the time of the halvening uh, we are still in this mode, um, then it's it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. So I personally don't enjoy talking about the block size debate. Uh, so I'm going to switch the switch the gears a little bit, a little more, I guess, philosophical. Sure. Um, we've like I've previously discussed quite a bit on our, on, upon the podcast that the idea of uh, Bitcoin being a catalyst for people to take back their personal responsibility. 
as opposed to offloading it to, th to third parties, kind of the way most people do things now. If we imagine a world where cryptocurrencies are kind of ubiquitous, do you see, do you see a society that adopts this mentality or do the merchants and app developers that are currently pushing things forward keep pushing the idea of creating products that users can't screw up? Or is, is this mentality of take care of your own shit actually going to break through with Bitcoin? Um, I'm, it's, that's an interesting question. So <laughs> I'm not sure that that kind of societal change is going to come from the currency side in. So, um, so, so I don't know. I, I don't, let's think about times when changes in the nature of currency change the way we do things. I think the only thing I can remember is actually, you're right. So, um, so to, to add strength to the argument you made. So if I think back, uh, the introduction of credit cards, right? I wasn't here for it, but, you know, I've read enough to know about the impact it had on society. Uh, and I've seen it in other societies when personal credit lines were opened up, right? So I'm from Turkey and that, uh, the, the credit lines, you know, they, they came to be quite late in, in, uh, uh, quite late in the last century and I was there for it. So, um, when that happens, people's spending habits change and people's approach to life and finances change. That is true. So, if uh, if we by introducing Bitcoin, a sort of a irrevocable currency, where if you screw up, you lose it, um, mm -hmm. that that might indeed change the way people actually interact with. Will will it really change the way people interact with finance as a whole? I don't know. That seems like a tough call. That seems a little too too much of a reach. Um, well, it's also you have this this idea of not only is it a digital cash <laughs> where if you screw up, you lose it, but with the way technology moves and the way hackers move on computers, you also have to take measures to secure it, which is something you don't really have to do with modern day credit cards and bank accounts, because if something right. happens, just call your bank. Right. So, okay. So on that front, I have a lot to say. So I think it's completely crazy to expect that your, you know, regular Joe six pack or whatever is going to be able to secure his machine. We don't know how to secure these machines. And in fact, I know the top security people. I, I know them personally. I know exactly how hard they work. And they are unable to secure their machines. <laughs> this is yeah. not, it's just not possible. Like people yeah. lose cash, all, like not cash. They, they, they lose control of computers all the time. And if you keep high value assets like Bitcoins on them, you're going to lose them. So, so that's why I think the vault idea is crucial. Um, and so, so that's, I think expecting people to have to be in command of this stuff uh, by themselves is a little too much. So if you leave them in such a quandary and you don't give them an easy way out, then they immediately say, look, I don't know anything about securing my Windows box. It's insecurable, actually, it turns out. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just is. Right? They, they it is. Also, it definitely is. Yeah, the, the helpline is and so forth. Like, you know, they have remote access to their machines for debugging them. And then the hacker comes in through the remote uh, access line. So in any case, so um, so if you leave them in that quandary, what they do is they find the biggest exchange around. They go to Mount Gox and say, hey, you keep my coins safe. I don't know how to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, you've got the, the Mount Gox disaster. So... Uh, so I think uh, you got to give people a way out, um, and uh, and and right, and and the technology we have is not going to improve. So client side security not going to improve, not not in the next five to ten years. So um, there is absolutely no hope, essentially, on the horizon. Um, my colleagues are working on building systems that are more secure by construction than what we have now, 
but it will take a, at least a decade for that technology to come out. So, um, so in the meantime, you know, here we are. And, uh, and if you leave, you know, say your, your, your regular user alone, he's going to lose his coins. It's not going to be his fault. So I think we have to give them a solution. Hmm. So you imagine the, the, the Bitcoin vault to be implemented by various wallets so that essentially they have options of where they store what types of money they want to store. They have your hot wallet and your cold wallet, but it's also in the same application. So Exactly. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. So the wallet would have it integrate, integrated and uh, the cash you don't need um, – uh, in, in, in the short term, you just put into the vault, you forget about it, you're, you're fine. Uh, somebody monitors the blockchain for you to make sure that if it's stolen, it's recalled. And, um, so, and then it's a self-sealing system. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think, sort of the right, right usage mode for this. But we left this, the philosophy question and we came back onto the vault <laughs> and <so> forth. Yeah. <laughs> You had an interesting philosophical question, which is, how about society? What's its impact going to be? And I have an answer on that front. And I was saying, I don't know if it will change the way people approach money. I think that seems like a tall order. But it's going to to allow a completely different set of interactions, a completely different set of of, of financial transactions to take place. So the fact that almost every single... Uh, form of cash I have is recallable. The fact that I can, you know, somebody can pretend to pay me and then some number of days later, the money is taken back out from under me. That, that's really annoying. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the irreversibility of Bitcoin makes possible a set of transactions that never were possible before. So who are the first adopters? Well, okay, people who deal drugs and people who, who do illegal things, they, they typically are the first to say, hey, this, you know, to, to adopt new technologies with new features. But we're going to find like the Internet of Things, for example, it, it will matter here. And uh, you might have uh, IoT devices that want to interact with each other. They need to come to an agreement. They, they need services from each other. We need an irreversible, trustless free, easy, cheap way of saying, okay, you want this? Here's the payment. Here's the, here's the content. Mm, very nice. And while, while you were talking about, well, we, you kind of unraveled from the philosophical part of the question, but you did talk about the wallets being used for the vaults. And, you know, the main people using the wallets are, are going to be the, cl- the users at the end of the day. And you wrote a couple blogs on how the users need to take control back you know, take control back. So could you possibly succinctly explain who controls Bitcoin and how <laughs> do they do it? That's a good question. So I started uh, focusing on this because uh, in the Bitcoin community, there is this fixation or fetishism of hash power, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people in Bitcoin, they came in through mining. Uh, they own old mining equipment, if not new mining equi- equipment. And uh, they see mining as the end all. Of, uh, of Bitcoin. And, um, and they think that when it comes to things like changing the protocol, the people who have the ultimate say are the miners. They think that the miners produce the blockchain, which they do, and therefore um, they can produce it any which way they like, which is not correct. And, uh, and as a result, they think that miners' opinions are the only ones that matter. And um, I wrote a couple of posts about this uh, to try to bring it sort of bring some clarity to the whole issue. And I think the problem stems from sort of not understanding that there is the hashing majority, which is very important, 
And then there is the economic majority. And, uh, and it, it's really the economic majority that matters. So let me try to explain what I mean by this. So imagine that, uh, that there are people who have physical things to sell in exchange for Bitcoins. Okay, this is the demand side. Mm-hmm. And then there are the miners. Miners are the supply side. They create blocks, which are just virtual things inside my computer that have no inherent value. And uh, by creating those blocks, they create some Bitcoins. And at the end of the day, they have Bitcoins to sell. So the people who bring the value into this equation are the people who bring the tie to the real world, the merchants who sell physical goods for Bitcoin. And if they don't like the blocks you produce, then they will not take your block and, and they will keep you from making changes to the protocol. So you can have 100% of the hash power decide, you know what, we're going to change Bitcoin and instead of 21 million Bitcoins, we're going to have 42 million or we're going to give ourselves an extra Bitcoin with every block or whatever else. They can come up with crazy, crazy ideas like this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and they could all be a block, right? They could be like the 100% of, of the hash power could want this. And they can produce these new blocks that they like with their new rules. But the merchants who have no hash power can simply say, look, I'm glad you came up with a block that uh, obeys your funky new rule. But that's not the kind of block I accept. That is not valid according to me. And... Mm. Uh, and once the merchant says that, then you are you are forever kept out from tapping into his wealth and his connection to the physical world and, and the actual tangible world of goods. So what you have created is, in essence, if, if the miners were to try to make an arbitrary change to the protocol, it's kind of like the money that, you know, when you were kids, I don't know if you guys did this, but when, when we were kids, my sister and I, we had our own money in the house that we used. And, you know, I would use some of it to buy her toys and then she would use some of it to buy my toys back or whatever. Right. <laughs> that's that's fine, except you can't take that money to the actual toy store and get an actual new toy into the house. OK, so, <laughs> so it's a it's a futile thing to do. So a lot of people didn't understand this. They thought that if uh, if you know, if you had the majority of the hash power, you were king. And that is completely false. Uh, what you really need to have is majority of the economic uh, power, and uh, and that resides with people who have potentially no hash power. Coinbase's circles, etc., of the world are pretty crucial. Darknet markets of the world are pretty crucial. They are not accepting your blocks. If they're not accepting your protocol, your protocol is going to be dead in the water. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If they're not taking the money, it's just like you said. It's like you could take that funny money elsewhere yep. because I don't want it. Right. (laughs) This is what keeps the miners in line, by the way. You know, the miners, um, they're perfectly capable of calling each other up. Right. And uh, they're perfectly capable of orchestrating a takeover. um, But they can't. It's not that they don't want to. It's not that they're stupid. And it's certainly not that they're not greedy enough. Right. If if they (laughs) they probably would do this. but, uh, but what really keeps them is something much more fundamental, which is uh, the, the power, the economic power of the people who accept the blocks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Goon, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're running a little bit out of time. I really wanted to ask you a question about Bitcoin NG, but hopefully maybe sometime later in the year we can get you back oh, to sure. talk about that because I just read about that and it looks amazing. Sure, so. We just have one last question for you. It might be the toughest question you've ever had to answer. Okay. 
I'm just kidding. I just like to <laughs> talk Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> In 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Very good question. Um, um, 10 words or less. Hang on. Are you going <laughs> to? You guys better cut out some portion of this podcast. <laughs> nope. Unedited. That's right. Are we unedited? Absolutely. For the, for the most part, yeah. Oh, you can curse, by the way, if you had anything you need to get out. Um, (laughs) I'm going with um, the first thing that comes to mind was power. And I'm going to just put the period right there. I was trying to combine it with something else, but it's going to be a little hard to do it on the fly. But it is it's the source of financial power. It is a new form of currency that totally changes how the world ought to work. And uh, it's a new way of creating financial instruments that the world has never seen. So, so that gives you power. All right. Power. Okay. Extrapolate what you want from there. <laughs> well, you gave it like four different explanations. So I just took an average and you're just right above 10 words, but <laughs> we'll go with power with a strong period. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Goon. It was an amazing interview. Um, I knew it would be amazing once I saw that Reddit post. I wish there were like, I wish we could clone you and make like 30 of yous and just put you out in the community. Oh, we'd fight each other. (laughs) (laughs) One of us would like the big blocks. The other one would choose the small blocks. (laughs) You went straight to Highlander. There could only be one. Okay. Well, have a good evening and and thanks for stopping by the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. McKibben and Emin Gunsereh. McKibben and Gunsereh. That's how you got to accent it. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> and that was the interview with Emin Gunsereh. Emin Gunsereh is a professor at Cornell. Um, a true badass. Um I'm going to go ahead and say he sounds kind of like a Bond villain, but he's really friendly and awesome. I hope you gathered that from the conversation we had with him. And I hope you got excited about being able to get a new face. Like I, what I want to do is, is get his name out there and his face out there. Like, so people see who he is. Like people know Gavin and people know Andreas and people know Zabarzo. How do you say the guy's name? Zabo. Zabo. And people know Garzik. Like, we know we can put a face to a name, but this guy, Amin Goon Serer, needs to be right in that category because he has a lot of amazing ideas for Bitcoin that are just not being projected for whatever reason under the sun. So, yeah. He gets picked on on Reddit, too, because I think he works really hard to clarify misconceptions related to Bitcoin. And he, I've seen him. He calls out various mistakes that he sees in the community, like... You know, people attacking people who are working to make the system better are people who are like refusing to be scientific and, and doing things that are actually interfering with the adoption of our regular people. And he will call you out and he'll facepalm you. Yeah, he's he's the Batman of Reddit right now. Well, he's there are there's, there's the definitely echo chambers in Bitcoin right now. And if you try and call one of those echo chambers out, they tend to like get, you know, boo you down to, in oblivion. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He disagrees with us. Yeah, and so he's, he's not, not only is he bringing up problems, but he's giving really good solutions to the same problems. Yeah. 
that are easy to do, easy to like, easy to implement, easy to fix, and, and take care of the issue. Oh, and, so, and the burning back to the blockchain—that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Cello, you weren't there for that interview, but what happens is, say you, somebody hacks your vault and they send the Bitcoin out. Well, you send them back. Well, they're really, really good, and they hack it again. Then you can send them back to the blockchain, so the Bitcoin gets burnt back into circulation. Essentially, what it does it gives it to the miners, so yeah. that if it, if at the at the worst case scenario, if someone's stealing your money, they don't get it, and the miners get it. And so, and it's it's one of those like worst case scenario situations in the vault. Yeah. Like if worst case is worse, like you just can't get back a hold of your funds. Instead of some shitty thief guy getting it, you just send it out to the miners as one large fee, and then it gets back into circulation. Yeah, this this is really cool, man. I just want to reiterate that this dude is a professor at Cornell. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're an undergraduate and you find any of these topics interesting, you should consider further study. Because almost every top-notch school is going to have a master's program with a course on distributed systems. And if you're particularly daring, a PhD program where you get to advance the state of the art. And if you're not thinking of pursuing graduate studies, you know, you know, listen to these podcasts, absorb these knowledge by these professors. And if you have any questions, you can email him directly and he will talk to you and us yeah. as well. So just take advantage of it. Def. It's Most free learning, def. people. Well, we don't. I don't think we have much to talk about at the top of the show or the bottom of the show is what this is. Um, but go check out this guy. Google him. Anyways, enough Read about... Read his blogs. Read his papers. About, yeah, definitely. Especially the Bitcoin next generation, I guess, fork is what we can call it. Um, that's fascinating stuff. Maybe we could see that somewhere down the line. Um... Hey, you know, we, we talked about micropayment systems uh, yeah. with Valerian. Uh, I just want to shout out, uh, there's a lot of people that are now starting to use the service. One is called suchwow.tv. Yeah. And it's, this, uh, it's this girl named Laura uh, out in Los Angeles. And she has a lot of cool content and she's using the platform. So I just want to shout out her channel. Maybe we should Everyone get her check on it here. out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's really taking off. And, um, nice. Um, there's like hamster videos, there's cat videos, <laughs> there's a lot of cat videos, actually. Cats, dogs, that's how you win the internet, gerbils. Internet is winnable by cuteness and straight up hardcore porn. And those are pretty much the disparities of the internet that get people's attention. Porn and, and she has a really cool logo. I'm a nerd for logos, and her logo's cool. Nice. <laughs> well, we don't have much to talk about, um, unless you guys had anything you wanted to bring up. I didn't really. I'm yeah, if you're in Austin area, like myself, take a friend to one of those meetups. Get people involved. Um, and check it out. This is this is a week to on-ramp thousands of people, so I hope it's successful. Me too. And I, I've been feeling it brooding. I'm feeling this adoption wave brooding. I don't know what is giving me that feeling. Perhaps it's like the another round of quantitative easing that the Eurozone just did. And I was like, damn, word. Or the UK just did. And I was like, damn, how does that even work? Just going to fucking print money out of our ass. I guess that's what we do now. I don't know. And so I just kind of feel that uh, there might be another adoption wave coming. Dude, out of necessity, which is a good thing. So, anyways, 
Uh, I wish I could go into elaboration on that, but we got to get going. So we're going to plug our shit. If oh, been- speaking of plugging my shit, I just wanted to let you guys know that I experienced a double pipe classic this morning. A double pipe classic? Yeah. What is that? It's something where you're only lucky enough to experience it probably every six six to eight years, and I experienced it this morning. It's where you burp and fart at the same time. <laughs> and I I got to experience it this morning, and I just want to shout it out. What the hell? Shout out to my body. Shout out to the Double Pipe Classic. What the hell? Where did you even get that from? Yeah, where did you come up with that? I never heard of that before. That's not I mean, it only happens like every every five years or something. It's it's a rare occurrence in in the human male body. I've never had a double. So when it happens, you have to celebrate it. Isn't that dangerous though? Because that much gas going out, you could maybe poop yourself a little bit. Here's how you do it: you take <laughs> you take a burrito and you wash it down with coke, and then you just hope and pray for a double pipe classic. This is going at the top of the show. All right, it happened. All right, so I I have to shout it out. All right. Good shout pipe. out to Double Pipe Classics. Not quite as dangerous as sneezing and farting at the same time. Nevertheless, it's a classic maneuver. Um, so, Facebook, the Bitcoin podcast, you'll find us. It's a nice, pretty yellow icon. Compliments of uh, Cello, the design chef up in this bitch. Our Twitter at the BTC podcast, you can tweet at us. We'll tweet at you. Um, I've grown accustomed to arguing with stupid journalists on my Twitter. So if you want to follow that action, you can. When I see a dumbass article, I call that shit out. I point them out. Okay. Um, what else is going on, guys? The BitcoinPodcast.com. It's our website. Zapchain.com slash Z slash just two guys. That's our community. Corey has a website, www.gingerbeards.com. I do not own that website, but I probably should. He does not, but he's looking into it. How to grow a beard as a ginger. He does it really well. I got Um, a mad beard. Huh? I got a mad beard. Mad beard. Um, Eric Bloodaxe level. Um, What else? Leaf Erickson level. Leaf Erickson. Oh, shout out to Conor McGregor. (laughs) Yeah. For getting that ass whooped. And literally getting slapped in the middle of a fight. Yeah, he also literally made a million dollars that night. Oh, yeah. That makes me feel bad a little bit. (laughs) But what makes me feel a little less bad is the fact that he got slapped like a bitch woman in the middle of a fight. So... If you didn't see that part, see it. It's my favorite part of the fight where I think his name is Diaz, right? Diaz? Diaz. Diaz, Diaz. just Nate. straight bitch slaps him, like slaps him in the face. And I'm like, damn, that's McGregor getting slapped like that? Diaz is known for that. Mm. Also, I mean, Nate Diaz has had 22 fights in the UFC and now people are just now, like you can even pronounce his last name. Yeah. So McGregor is making people he's well, fighting uh, in household He doesn't name. count. He doesn't watch... UFC very much. I don't know. So. You guys are kind of converting me, and I hate that it's happening, but I did enjoy that fight. I did. I watched it, and I was like, damn. And then I watched What's-Her-Name get her ass beat, too. Holly? 
Holm. Yeah, Holly Holm. Holly Holmes. Yeah. I wouldn't say she got her ass beat. She actually fight. won that fight until she got until she tapped. Yeah, I exaggerate ass beatings. To me, a loss is ass. <laughs> it's a win, period. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you lost? You got that ass beat. I only ass. lost by one point. Nope. Ass whooping. Anyways, um, shout out to Zoe Saldana. We love you here at the Bitcoin Podcast. Yo! Um, and I think are we gonna, guys. Are we going to do a normal outro, or are we going to drop that, that track? Let's drop that track. That's a who's who's who is it? Is it? Uh, Johnny Fresh drops Fresh. truth bombs on the track in this hard hitting banger spattered with some freshness. He... It's called Fuck Your Bank. Fuck your bank. <laughs> Play the outro. Fuck you, Morgan Stanley. I ain't choose to bank, the banks have slaved me Ever since I was a children's I've been paying fees And now I'm fucking pissed at this grimy system Goldman's pinching my shillings with all the lies they spitting They took your moolah and say that they're gonna save it And that's the reason these charges are on your statement But the truth is so far from the shit they tell us They take your cheddar and lend it to other fellas At downright shameful rates to people with no money So that they end up indebted until their grave is muddy If you can't pay it back, they repossess your home and every item with some value that you ever owned then when their faulty system breaks and has a major crash they print more paper to save it but then it makes your cash more significantly less than its value when you earned it inflation is the way they keep us as indentured servants fuck your bank bro they're nothing but a bunch of crooks fuck your bank fuck your bank bro demand they show what's in their books fuck your bank fuck your bank bro the people want to know the truth fuck your bank your bank, bro. They best stop stealing all their loot. Fuck your bank. Don't think that this rap is just about me bitching about some crap that's got me feeling like a victim. Let's look past the bankers acting mad, illicit, and face facts. It's bound to happen in this system when profit is by law their number one priority. It comes as no surprise they're treating people horribly. The corporate life's a race for sheep or forced to greed. You turn them into rats, and of course they're hoarding cheese. But you can choose to see past this illusion if you stand up and move to new solutions. Here's the answer to this financial pollution. Let's Demand to decentralize the ones who rule it I'm talking about that Bitcoin, yes you best believe Where no one's in control, no central powers get to freeze Your funds if they decide and they ain't liking what you do If you like your freedom, I think Bitcoin is for you Fuck your bank, bro, they're nothing but a bunch of crooks Fuck your bank Fuck your bank, bro, demand they show what's in their books Fuck your bank Fuck your bank, bro, the people wanna know the truth Fuck your bank your bank, bro. They best stop stealing all our loot. Fuck your bank. Fuck your bank, bitch. Fuck your bank. Get some Bitcoin. Fuck your bank, bitch. Fuck your bank, bitch. Fuck your bank. Get some Bitcoin. Fuck your bank, bitch. If you like the idea of money that's secure, that you could send for a penny anywhere on the earth. In 20 minutes, no kidding, ain't no bullshit, boy. To save the children for really, go get some Bitcoin. Fuck your bank, bro. They're nothing but a bunch of crooks. Fuck your bank. Fuck your bank, bro. Demand they show what's in their books. Fuck your bank. Fuck your bank, bro. The people want to know the truth. Fuck your bank. Fuck your bank, bro. Go get some Bitcoin, bitch. Fuck your bank, bitch. Perfect. Mom.
Where's my fluffing out a sandwich? And don't forget to cut the crusts off. <laughs>